What's up, peeps? Welcome to the Ebb and Flow podcast. I'm your guy, Evan Britton. Uh, this week have an excellent episode for y'all. It is a discussion with my brother Gus. We're talking masculinity. We've done uh, an episode maybe a couple years ago now on masculinity, working into this topic. This one, we are definitely coming at it with a fresh perspective as we're both different men at this stage in our lives as we were then when we did that one. Masculinity, it's an interesting topic and it's something that I feel like I'm being asked to speak on more and more. Something that really fascinates me about it is that when I find myself starting to attempt to articulate what masculinity is or what being a man is. It's almost like it falls apart. It falls through your fingers as you're trying to discuss it or you're trying to put words around what this thing is that is being a man. Um, so we move through that, move into that. It's a lot of fun, as always. Love my conversations with Gus. I think you guys will enjoy it. We do our best to put a framework around what this thing is called being a man. And obviously we cover the simple things, sort of these simple archetypal aspects of manhood, protector, provider, etc., father, husband, brother, son, those types of things think you'll enjoy it. Uh, we had a lot of fun with it for sure. This episode of the podcast, as always, brought to you by our family over at NewFit. NewFit, the newbie, this incredible technology that is a fantastic modality for healing injuries, developing greater muscle strength. It's fantastic for recovery. It's something like your classical electrical stim unit, stim machine, um, taken to the nth degree, used in the most optimal way possible. Um, check it out. There's a link in our show notes that'll take you to our landing page that has an in-depth description of what the newbie is, what new fit is all about. You can also contact them there if you're interested in it. I think if you're a therapist or a trainer, this is some next level technology that will take your practice, your gym to stratospheric heights. So highly recommend it. Also, always got to shout out our beloved Quicksilver Scientific Dr. Chris Shade and friends, best, best adaptogen products you can possibly find. It's liposomal delivery, it's nanotechnology, ashwagandha, ginseng, astragalus, all the good stuff to keep your mind, body, vehicle functioning at tip-top shape. Check them out. Some of my favorite products there, of course, Longevity Elite. The one, you've also got NanoFuel, which is like 
the adaptogenic Adderall. Can't say enough about it. It's awesome stuff. Check it out. Hit the link in show notes. There's a code for you to get a discount. And then finally, August 12 and 13, we've got Heal and Flow, Lake Stevens, Washington. It's going to be awesome. This is our third event. Great people. We've got yoga, breathwork, ice tubs, the best food on the planet, force of nature. Our friends at Force of Nature provide us with all the meat for our meals. It's as high quality. It's the highest quality on the planet that you can find. Great products. Building an incredible community of like-minded people who are really searching to really making their life about being the best version of themselves that they can possibly be. So that's about it, folks. Uh, actually this episode will air before July 22nd, doing another live ebb and flow. Check that out as well. Links to register for both of those events will be in the show notes. That's about it. Lots of love to all y'all. Have an excellent day. Enjoy. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source, the key of imagination. Your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux. Only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come. Testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. Hey, brother. Hey, man. It's good to be here. Good to be here with you. It's another day in paradise. Another day, bro. Another day. Um, <clears throat> so, I suppose this will be released as an ebb and flow also. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, cool. So today we're starting a unpacking, a discussion, a conversation that I'm sure will take a handful of episodes to get into. Masculinity. Masculinity. What is it? I think it's important to begin with defining what masculinity is. And this is an interestingly... I think it's interesting the moment in our lives when this concept is coming into the fold of starting to talk about it, starting to define it, starting to really get into what it is, especially things that are going on in our lives with family members, certain men in our lives. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that this is starting to come up. I've been asked on a, on a handful of podcasts to talk about masculinity lately, which I think is interesting. Oh, have you? Yeah. Interesting. I gave a talk in New York City uh-huh. that was one part men's group talk mm-hmm. on masculinity uh-huh. and then one part open discussion. Interesting. Okay. And what's interesting to me is how... There's an elusiveness 
to describing or defining what masculinity actually is, when you really start to to look into it, dive mm-hmm. into it, and unpack what's there. Mm-hmm. Because the question of what is masculinity, what what defines a man, what defines manhood? Mm-hmm. There's something difficult about that. There's something difficult about that question. What yeah. you say? Yeah, particularly in today's world, let's say maybe post um you know, I feel like there were always rights to become a man in generations rights or of in passage. Yes, or in periods of time. And I would say going to war is the closest contemporary equivalent of becoming a man but that's really ended because we don't really go to war anymore so like in the 50s you would join the military yeah 40s like world war ii right you would go you would sign up and that was like a very that was very much a that was very much an earmark of oh you're a man you you've become a man and when you get home from war you're a man even if you're 21 or 22 because back then you would go to war at 18 19 and previously more primal scenarios you would have rites of passage i mean everybody's heard the sort of cliche you go hunt a lion right and then you become a man you go into the woods with nothing but a spear right and I believe now, it's be, I was I was looking at one example the other day. There's this one tribe where the boys, for a, an extended period of time, put their hands in these gloves, and the gloves are filled with the most painful, um, stinging ants you could imagine, mm. and it like sends you into convulsions. It hurts so bad and like they have to do it for like seven days straight or some amount of time. And then when they come out, they've been entered into manhood. Mm. We don't really have that these days, potentially other than sports, maybe. But even so, that doesn't really there's no there's no um, landmark saying, "Okay, you made the football team. You're a man now. Right. Um, as we know. So I think it is a very interesting subject of how do we define this thing? What does this look like? And then again, also in this period of time where gender is, is seems to be evolving and, and, and being looked at under a new microscope. That's something I wanted to clarify from my earlier statement of the elusiveness of defining masculinity or manhood. And to clarify that in the current day and age where we have this strange gender identification obsession. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking, yes, be a male physical specimen has a testicles, has testicles and a penis, mm-hmm. you know, like, you have those reproductive organs, obviously. That's part of the... That's one level of being a male, physical male. But the 
the more intangible aspects of masculinity. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a good man? What does it mean to be a good father? What does it mean to be a good husband or partner to your female counterpart, etc.? Like, what does that mean? What is the... What is the litmus test of being a man of integrity? What does that look like? Yeah. And I think that I said this on another podcast. We were talking about it earlier. But I said that there is this seemingly I don't I'm I'm not sure if this is completely true however it feels as though in the current at least in the materialist realm the measures of manhood are how much money how much external success a male can achieve and how many sexual female partners can a man mm-hmm. gain attain you know, um, consume essentially. And really neither of those things has much to do with masculinity at all. When you really boil it down to what, what the masculine essence of the universe is. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what we're, we're looking to define here. Right. What is the masculine aspect of nature? Right. And I also believe in today's world, we've recently, over maybe the last half decade, we've, or maybe maybe earlier, we've gotten into demonizing malehood and demonizing masculinity. A thousand percent. We'll definitely get into that, I'm sure, at some point yeah. here. We'll talk about how yeah. there seems to be this strange urge or this strange tendency in our culture to be doing its damnedest to emasculate the modern man well and it's interesting we also created this thing toxic masculinity right exactly which i think we'll get into that as well yeah Yeah. so defining masculinity what is masculinity in your in your mind, what does that look like, Gus? I think it has something to do with being steady. Mm. It has something to do with being steady. It has something to do with being secure internally. It has something to do with having done or being willing to do work on yourself the courageous work of looking at yourself and looking internally and looking at your the the mechanisms you're functioning from and seeing how you become a better person out of that out of that journey mm. but to me intuitively the word that comes up is steady mm-hmm. something comes something when i when i hear that I intuitively, instinctually go to a male, a man is steady. Mm. They're steady, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I don't know if we want to equate it to, to this, but the word guru 
can be translated to the weighty one or the rock. Uh-huh. Now, I'm not saying men are the only people that are gurus, but there's something about being steady to me that equates to not even necessarily malehood, but being a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, I suppose it's the, the esoteric symbol of masculinity is the mountain. Mm-hmm. It's unshakable. It's tall. It's strong. It's immovable. Mm-hmm. It's so very similar. It's the mountain. Similar. Yeah, steady. Steadiness. It is the cliffs that the raging wild divine feminine ocean rages against. It sets the container for the feminine to move and create and do her thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. So masculinity, a thousand percent, I would say, has mostly to do with being that steady container. Mm-hmm. Providing a space, providing a structure for the divine feminine to move and do its thing. Mm-hmm. There's this thing that's been coming to me for the last few months, which is the feminine is equated to the formless aspect of nature, the universe. Formlessness, the void, the vastness of space, wildness, creation, openness, the void. Mm-hmm. formlessness and masculine the masculine aspect of the universe is the form mm-hmm. it's the structure it's the phallic symbol it's the thing that creates the container or the pillar or the structure for the divine feminine the formless feminine mm-hmm. to fill or to move against move with mm. Move in conjunction with, because mm-hmm. they're always intertwining. You know, it's always it's the dance, it's the yin and the yang, it's the same thing. You know, it's right. just like what are these things yeah. that we're defining here? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so, as a man, as a human male, as a human man, what does that mean? What does that look like in your relationships? How you show up in the world? How you find your purpose? How you find stability and sanity in your own life. And I think it really comes down to over and over again, it seems to me the steadiness. Mm -hmm. Right. Being the guy that people can count on Mm -hmm. having accountability, going back to what you said earlier, doing the deep courageous work of self-reflection of taking accountability of doing inventory on your life Mm -hmm. your decisions your actions your language how you relate to yourself and the world around you really taking a look at that and that's a constant process taking a look constantly being able to take a look inside and being able to show up in a way that mm. provides other people mm. with a stable, 
container foundation mm-hmm. structure to be themselves. Yeah. What's interesting to me about that is that in order to be able to do that, you have to invite the feminine energy in. Uh-huh. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like in order to like they say one hemisphere of the brain is the masculine side and it's more analytical and then the feminine side is more creative and free flowing as you say. Uh-huh. But it's interesting in order to integrate and find that healthy maleness you have to invite in the femaleness of vulnerability and mm-hmm. the sensitivity right oh, because you don't percent. just get to steady you uh-huh. don't just say i'm steady okay i'm here now right so then i think moving forward with this talk and and with this book, we can navigate, okay, what are the things that you need to do in order to get steady? Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Because we don't just snap our fingers and say, I'm steady now. So I think it's an interesting interplay, like how I have this tattoo of these two snakes, uh-huh. which is just common throughout DNA, throughout, you know, mm-hmm. the Kundalini, yin and yang. Mm-hmm. The Kabbalion of this side, that side, yoga, which is balance. Yeah, as above, so below. Right. Yes. No, it's a really, it's a really good point about. We don't know what the masculine is. We don't know what steadiness is until we know what the chaos is. Right. You and, know. In, in the, yeah, you don't. You, yeah, you need something to compare it to. And you wouldn't know what the light is if you didn't know what the dark is. Exactly. It's in the same vein. And vice versa. That entire conversation. Um, And I think because how can you be a steady, accountable, masculine man or a man showing up in his true masculinity... If you're constantly looking for others to validate you or to be made whole by external influence or external happenings or other people, all of that makes you less steady. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Well, it's, it is it, it is interesting, too, in that primally or, you know, the male figure would bring home the bacon, so to speak. So he would bring home the physical items and that would validate his malehood, which is where I believe this potentially this thing that you're talking about of, you know, bodies and cars and money and houses and watches or whatever it is. We've confused that with, with a, a, a validating um, comparative thing of the male. Mm-hmm. Originally, it was really about sustenance. It was about the Provision. male. What's that? Provision. Yeah, the male can bring home these certain things that, that are materials that provide sustenance. And then he shares that with the other aspect of humanity, which is femininity. And then she provides the other side of the coin, 
right? And now maybe in this world we're in now, we don't exactly know what we're doing to validate our masculinity. Well, can we take that back to the beginning? Let's take the provider-protector archetype of man, of the male, back to hunter-gatherer. Yeah. Okay, so we're living in tribes. Let's use, I think this is a great example. It's a great example because it illustrates the, the masculine and the feminine in their natural roles the embodiment of the masculine and the man, the embodiment of the feminine and the woman, and those roles being articulated in the Comanches. Mm -hmm. There's a book, Empire of the Summer Moon, highly recommend it for a number of reasons. One of the things that I thought was really fascinating about it was the depiction of the roles of the men and the roles of the women in their tribes. So these were indigenous people of North America, primarily the Southwest, Texas, Northern Mexico, New Mexico, Arizona, that whole area. Dominant tribe, dominant warrior tribe that the men, the men's primary role was securing the lands So anytime another tribe came in, white settlers came in, anybody who came into their land, they got fucking decimated. Mm -hmm. They secured that land, protected the land, meaning anyone who came in, any intruders, visitors, or otherwise, were fucking dealt with severely, Mm -hmm. cleared out. Mm -hmm. And then the men... Which they would gather all sorts of supplies, resources, slaves, food, all kinds of stuff. Then they would go out, they would hunt buffalo. Mm -hmm. They'd kill and bring home buffalo. Now, the women were really the ones who fucking kept the entire community rolling. They, when the men brought home the buffalo, they'd skin the buffalo, they'd procure the meat. They'd make sure all the meat, every bit of that animal was harvested so that every person in that tribe would be sustained through the the harvesting of that buffalo. They would do what they needed to do to the skins and the furs so that they had proper clothing and provision during the winter and when it got fucking really cold. They took care of the children. And they cooked, they maintained, they main, they literally maintained the community. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's take that. So the men sold jobs, protect and secure the land, hunt and provide the food and the nourishment. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there were other little roles sprinkled throughout there. I mean, you know, right. there was a chief and a, and a chiefess and, you know, there's basically all of that stuff was still happening. However, those were the primary roles of the male and the female. Mm-hmm. So let's spiral that out into the Industrial Revolution or even a little bit past that where men 
are the ones going to work Mm -hmm. and bringing home the bacon, Mm -hmm. earning the money, you know, providing the food, providing basically the provision through this generating the income. And the Mm -hmm. mother was the housekeeper. Mm -hmm. The mother was the keeper of the household, like Mm -hmm. literally took care of the kids, took care of the home, cooked and all of that. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. But something else starts to happen there mm-hmm. that bastardized and essentially perverted those roles mm-hmm. to an extent that led to disconnection and and disempowerment of both genders, essentially. Right, right. Because what that led to, which was like our parents' generation, what they really experienced with their parents, which was, you know, and also we're talking about, now we're really getting into that generation of men who looked at it as their spiritual duty to enlist in the army and go fight in World War II, to Mm -hmm. fight the Nazis, Mm -hmm. fight fascism, to Mm -hmm. fight like really dark evil that had Mm -hmm. arisen in the world. So those were men. These were men who did what they had to do because of the time they were living in. And they took on very, very real, very important, very definite missions So, but something happened in there where the relationship of the father, as the father relates to the family, started to change and Mm -hmm. started to lose its connection. Mm -hmm. Because then it was like the father was gone Mm. five days a week, (laughs) you know, most of the day. Right. The father came home. And there was this air of leave dad alone, let dad read his paper and drink his scotch and smoke his cigar and watch his programs and, you know, and don't interact with dad too much. Mm -hmm. And then on weekends, dad was washing the car, doing what dad had to do. Mm -hmm. But there was this disconnection from the family unit, really, Mm -hmm. you know, so the father really just became this, this money making machine. Mm -hmm. not only losing connection to his family, losing connection to himself. Right. Right. Alcoholism really started to become apparent during this time as well. Right. Womanizing, womanizing, cheating. Mm -hmm. And essentially, maybe we could call it the industrialization of the modern man, Mm -hmm. which turned the male into this disconnected entity from his family unit. Now, something interesting, I read this interesting thing in this book called uh, The Family Revision, and it's by this this guy. It's very Christian-oriented, so not all of it really jives with, with everything I necessarily believe. However, there was a lot of really great information in there about the role of the father in the family unit mm-hmm. and how... this goes to a conversation we've had many times, Gus, of modern, at least 
modern Western culture's connection to God and how modern Western culture's connection to God or lack thereof is directly connected to our lack of connection to our own father in our and our household mm-hmm. and the father just becoming this like sort of disembodied aspect of the family unit that was no longer was in charge, but almost just as a figurehead Mm -hmm. and not necessarily as an integral part of the family. Mm -hmm. They were just out making the money and bringing it home and providing, but the emotional connection was gone. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, there's a few things in there. You want to keep going? Or there's a well, few I things just, in there. I, I think to... it's important to go from what was the original right, right, to where we are now. Because right. the hunter-gatherer aspect of man, of the man, mm-hmm. of the masculine mm-hmm. entity in the, right. the community or in the family unit, mm-hmm. the provider and the protector archetype, it's a very powerful and important part of our nature. As yeah. men. Yeah. Yeah. And just to look at how did it get mm-hmm. bastardized? Because that's really what happened. Because we still have that thing. Oh, right. well, the man is the provider. Right. Or the protector. <laughs> right. Great. But what does that actually mean now? In today's world. In today's world. Well, I think it's... I think bastardized is an interesting word to use. But how we got from those very clearly defined roles of male and female in the culture, those early cultures, or, you know, like you're talking about the Comanches, to where we are today, where we're in this this redefining or more vague idea about whose role is what, yet we're still, yet we still have these, epigenetic um you know tendencies to go toward you're the you're you're the male i'm the female okay what does that mean but then we have the kind of pop culture umbrella right of equality the cultural atmosphere yeah equality you know toxic masculinity so you have all these sort of the these um these pop culture things interfering and creating static with our old paradigms that feel so necessary still and so relevant still Mm. like for instance and this is where i believe money in today's world as opposed to hunting can really challenge those things. And this is where I think alcoholism comes in. So the male is just beaten down. You know, previously in those early cultures, you would hunt and and earn your keep. And it was like something I believe, as far as I can tell, you could do no matter what. Now we live in a culture where, let's say the economy is shit, which I could argue that it's not so great right now. How does a man provide if he can't make money? Because we're still tethered to that thing where the male is supposed to provide something. Like if you go on a date or if I go on a date, 
there's always the epigenetic pull for me of I'm the man I need to pay for this date, no matter how much pop culture is telling me equality exists. And to to flip that, I've rarely gone on a date where the woman says, let me pay for this. I'm actually impressed now if the woman wants to pay for the date or pay for half the date, Mm. you know, but there's still these things, even if they're on more subtle levels Mm. where it's not, I'm bringing home a Buffalo. It's where if we sit down to a dinner date or a coffee date, I'm the one paying. Uh So then what happens there? If the, if, if your finances are, are in a crisis, you know, so there, I, I think that's, what am I trying to say here? I think there's, um, there's interesting aspects of how we still have these primal tendencies in a new world. Uh-huh. So how do we um, go about navigating this in a healthy way? Um, and I think a lot of this changed... You know, like with women's suffrage, where it was like we 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 need to get to vote too. Mm. Um, we we need our we need just as many rights as men do. And and as you were talking, I started thinking about like places like the Middle East, where it's very patriarchal. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's any of this is really what I believe, but like you have a culture like that where the women are really pigeon-held into certain ways of being and their freedom is really restricted. Mm. So you have an imbalanced dynamic of male and female there. Mm-hmm. So how do we find that middle ground in a new world, in a less primal world, say? Mm-hmm. Um, because that doesn't really seem to work either. Because you hear of of late women uprising. I want to be able to drive a car. I want to be able to wear whatever I want to wear in those cultures. Mm -hmm. Now, we live in a world in America where freedom is king, supposedly. So the woman can now be the breadwinner. So now you have men that are shut down because they're becoming emasculated. So what's the middle ground there? So how do we, how do we, if, if this is like the chapter of say integrating the divine feminine, um, well, I think it's I'm just trying to stay on the chapters, but maybe it doesn't even matter. I can figure it out. No, no. Well, I think we're still in the define, defining, defining the masculine it. Okay. and it, it is helpful to discuss what the divine feminine is in the effort of defining the masculine. So what do you think of w- about what I just said? Well, I, I think I wanna, that like equality human... cultures that don't really work, you know, does our culture work? Does their cult, their, theirs doesn't seem to work. Ours is having trouble, you know? Well, I think that any time that here is a, here is a, in, in, it's my opinion. It's my opinion. However, it strikes me as, as it rings with truth is that on a soul level, every human being's deepest desire is to be free, Mm -hmm. to be free to do and express itself as it deems fulfilling. 
So women should 1000% be free to do and be whoever the fuck they want to be, just as men should be, right? Mm -hmm. Now that is different than saying there are certain roles that each gender Mm -hmm. is really proficient at. Yes. And or more proficient at than the other. Mm. Um, which doesn't really jive when you live in a society or in a culture that wants to have everything be black and white. It wants things to be, well, because there is this with the thing of, well, women should be able to do whatever men do and work in whatever professions men work at and earn money and be the breadwinner thousand percent nowhere in there in my view does it need to be stated motherhood or being a being a stay-at-home mother is something to be looked down upon or Mm -hmm. something less than i think that we're in a state in our society where it is abundantly clear that we need fucking more mothers at home raising children. Mm-hmm. A job that no one on the planet can do better than a mother can. And it's one of the things, one of the arguments that I've heard about when you look at the food nowadays, processed food in particular, mm. all food essentially that comes. That's not just coming as a whole, you know, fruit or a whole piece of meat or mm-hmm. of why there's so many chemicals and additives and seed oils. And literally you get anything in a box. It's got more than 15 ingredients of things that you can't pronounce or that essentially shouldn't even be going into a human mouth. Mm-hmm. And a big reason for that is that I, I've argument I've heard, and this is not, you know, this is, I'm not saying one's good, bad. I'm just saying, I'm just looking at what's here. We don't have a person at home that's looking at what's going on the table, going into the children's mouths. Mm-hmm. We don't have a person at home anymore who's looking at what's going on in school. What's being taught in schools? What are our children being educated with and fed with? Mm -hmm. We don't have that anymore. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think, no doubt about it, fathers can be stay-at-home parents as well. And they can do a great job at that. However, I don't think it's the same as what a mother can do as far as in that familial unit you know what i mean a father is very important one of my great mentors he told me this this thing that i suppose was a a philosophy or a principle of some of an african tribe in particular however you could say this is a universal truth of a child looks to the mother to know how to love a child looks to the father to know how to be in the world. Mm. And on a fundamental level, women want to be cherished, men want to be respected. 
Mm. And when we've got everybody just out in the workforce, everybody's just out in the rat race, well, then we have no one <laughs> who's who's the ba- the the last bastion for the children of saying like right. okay well maybe we need to look at how much technology is being used maybe we need to look at what foods we're putting mm. on the table maybe we need to look at what's mm. going on in schools and both men and women this is not to say like one gender has to be in charge of doing this stuff well, it's interesting to think maybe on, on on all those notes, maybe we're like masculinizing femininity. Well, isn't that what we're doing? That's what we've been doing. And could we potentially say the 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 reverse? We're femininizing. We're feminizing masculinity. masculinity. It's where Which, we're sort of flipping the roles. When you go all the way through that, what does it lead to? It's just complete confusion and discombobulation. So right. nobody really knows anything about who they are or what they're supposed to be doing right <laughs> you know yeah it's interesting it's and that's interesting. not to say like well men men should be in the workforce women should be at home no i'm not saying that at all i think once again the the fundamental principle of being a human is that we are all striving to be free yeah well it's now, interesting go ahead just to finish that off, the being free is not also saying it's demoralizing for a woman to be a stay-at-home mother or to devote her life to raising children or, or cultivating a family. Yeah. And the man is the same thing because, see, even me saying that, we get polarized into, oh, what's the women's role? And then, oh, does that just mean the men are out fucking around and making money and doing whatever the fuck they want? Mm. Actually, no. Mm. No, the man has a very important particular role in the family unit as well. It's just like there are, once again, there are things that both roles, both genders are highly proficient at that the other one is not as proficient at. Men have been gifted. It's one of the reasons why, in my view, the modern man must be living in amends to Mm. women. Mm. Because we've taken advantage of our physical dominance, our physical strength, and we've used that to abuse women for far too long Mm. throughout the history of humanity. Mm-hmm. We've taken advantage of our physical dominance. Right, right. And a big part of the shifting that's happened over the last few years in particular with the planet, with human beings, men and women in particular, I would say has to do with a part of that work from the men's perspective has to be in making an amends to women, the divine feminine, the mother. Mm, Yeah. Which is all solved and healed through finding steadiness. Right. Cultivating stability, being the mountain. Yeah. And getting more integrated with yourself and looking at yourself. And I think it's, um, you've been bringing up the word chaos a lot. And um, I've been thinking about that. 
and everything. Order is really important in the world. Just thinking about what you were, what you were just saying right now, you know, how you, you know, how, when we lose these, um, roles, when we lose the, yeah, when we lose the roles, it creates discombobulation and that creates more chaos. And like you were saying, we don't really know what to do with ourselves. And I think these things that are really fundamental, you know, it's like we, we, we came out of the primordial ooze and turned into the next thing. And as creatures, order was created naturally out of the chaos you know, we didn't just we didn't just arrive at men are the hunter gatherers, women are the householders, etc. Like that was a long process of order out of nature. Uh-huh. So when you yeah. start when you start relinquishing or breaking down or disavowing that order it can create a lot of discombobulation, which I believe is probably what we're seeing today, which is probably why we're even having this talk in the first place. So, yeah, you know, if you look at your room, if you don't clean your room, it just the chaos just continues to grow mm-hmm. and you need to clean it. That's why cleanliness is next to godliness. You're creating some order in the universe. Mm hmm. So I think that order really helps us feel comfortable and safe and less discombobulated. And like we can really actually then go out into the world and fulfill our purpose. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, how do we navigate when things start changing and we start looking at equality differently? But see, that's where like common sense kind of needs to come into play. Because to me, it's like you can't say women need to be able to play in the NFL. Like, let's for, you know, you you, you start creating um, something where you say like, oh, like an initiative where it's like, okay, for every NFL team, there needs to be two. There needs to be a starter on offense and defense. That's a woman like it's not going to work. Right. Like. How how do we create a uh, uh, like a steadiness of common sense in this whole game as well? Well, for instance, really if difficult. we go back to primal times, Comanche times, if a woman said to the man, "Hey, you know what? Let's just drop this whole thing. I'm gonna go hunt the buffalo." There's a chance they would starve. There was there's a chance the men would say you you really think you can do that? Mm. You want to go try that? You want to go see what that's like? Mm. They probably wouldn't even take the chance cuz they'd be like, yeah, we need to eat cuz we're not we're not fucking around here. Like this whole this whole tribe will starve if we if we fuck around with this. Well, now that- we have the opportunity to fuck around a bit more. But back then in a more primal in a more primal atmosphere, you could not do that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting to think about it in that way. Well, it brings it back to your your point about natural order. 
Like, I don't think anybody was walking around spending time going, hey, are are you going to go hunt or are you going to take care of the stuff at the tribe? Right. <laughs> like, no one was doing There wasn't, like, a big meeting. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, it was just ordained. Mm-hmm. It was naturally ordained. Mm-hmm. Right. Through the rhythm of nature like it mm-hmm. just that's how it was you know what mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. and i'm sure like in the viking culture there were shield maidens who were women who were warriors right right and i'm sure there were there have been many instances of <coughs> women warrior there have been i mean the amazons the mm-hmm. you know um, Joan of Arc. Yeah, there's plenty of instances of women as warriors, like mm-hmm. no doubt about it. There's no right. question about that. Right. It's just different. It's it's not, you know, we're not. And once again, all of this stuff in our society, which really just it makes you question what is the end goal? Because none of it is ever going. It can't be. The only thing is this, while there have been those men throughout history for certain who have completely oppressed women, oppressed the female essence, Mm -hmm. right? Right. That's not, that's not what we're doing. That's not what, at least the goal of this discussion, or at least the goal of defining what masculinity is Mm -hmm. i think big picture because it seems as though men in particular are in a complete crisis Mm -hmm. and it would serve us to have an understanding so how do we take our primal masculinity which i would argue must be it must be nourished mm-hmm. in order for the modern man's heart to be fulfilled does that make sense like we yeah. must nourish the primal masculinity inside of us mm-hmm. in order for us to be able to show up as the men that the world needs right. really right and, uh, well, I would say the, ma- I, I just want to, those males probably oppress the females out of some sort of fear or insecurity probably came from there. That might be another conversation to have, but well, I think we'll definitely get there because yeah. I have a whole fucking thing about sex, sexuality, and how men use it to nurse their wounded ego Mm, mm -hmm. right right let's save that because that's a fucking that's a fucking deep dive on its own i think that the next place to go i feel like that's pretty that's at least a vague overview of what masculinity is yeah yeah it's the mountain it's steady it's stable, it's accountable, it's integrous, mm-hmm. it's solid, 
It's unmoving. Mm-hmm. It's a structure. It's form. It provides the container. It's open. It's open. It's courageous. It's courageous. And not just courageous in the kind of moving forward with the axe sense, but also in the open sense. Uh-huh. Courageous in the vulnerability. It's brave. Yeah. And it's funny. Those things could probably... You could probably define the female as that, too. <laughs> but... Yeah. I mean, well, or, see, this is... Yeah. This is the this is the strangeness of having one of these conversations and attempting to put it into a package because there's so many different planes mm-hmm. where of perspective because on we're talking really we're talking essentially on the spiritual plane what is the essence of masculinity what is the spirit of masculinity what is that mm-hmm. Be and that trickles down into what is the manifestation of the human male right. animal exactly exactly and how does that inform mm-hmm. how the human male animal exists yeah 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 because yes the human female animal can be all of those things as well right courageous accountable integrous. truthful uh, you know all of that stuff can all be described in the human female animal and how that being exists on the physical plane but the spiritual the aspect the spiritual aspect of of femininity of the Mm -hmm. divine feminine Mm -hmm. of the feminine spirit or the spirit of femininity however you want to call it that's a different thing that's much different right you know? Yeah. yeah. So what were you saying here? Well, I think that... So the next thing I think that is discussing discipline. Mm-hmm. And... Well, because a male, right, because a male listening to this might, when you say integris, are you saying integral? Is that what you mean? Well, I don't know. What is the, what is the state of having integrity? Oh, oh. Integris, it's integral sound. I don't know. I don't know. It's either integral or integris. I think, yeah, I think it's probably saying having integrity. Yeah. Yeah. So then the male listening to this may very well may go, okay, guys, what's the process then to get steady? Uh And I think that that involves similar to order, similar to the word order. It involves discipline, Uh a disciplined practice to become that great man, to become the fully embodied male, which is a process. And I think to me, we're living in a very interesting time of the proliferation of information where, you know, everybody has phones. So you can't really isolate yourself from solutions, if you will. For instance, why is the why are cultures that um, oppressive cultures having to make change? Because everybody's aware of the other cultures now. We're, we're aware of the, of the uh, multitude of information about, about how to be set free. 
Um, so I think it's no, it's no mistake that it's all right on time. It's all right on time. It's no mistake that yoga is ubiquitous. Psychedelics are ubiquitous. Now something like, or something like MMA is ubiquitous mixed martial arts, which is jujitsu and boxing essentially, which are, which are just the essence of malehood. I mean, it's wrestling, it's punching, it's fighting, it's mm -hmm. grappling with, with the physical. Yes, I know women do MMA, but we're talking about men here. Uh, in, I mean, we are talking about women, but, you know, to me, it's interesting. Like, when did, when did MMA become so? That was like a fringe sport. Now uh -huh. it's totally ubiquitous. And to me, that's not a mistake. That's because it's a real thing where men can look at how they, you know, because not all men can play football or basketball or baseball, mm -hmm. but all men can learn how to throw a punch mm. and defend themselves and ultimately then defend their family. Mm. So it's no mistake. And then to me, the yoga and the psychedelics and the meditation help the male then integrate the feminine, the femininity into their process. And I think to become that fully fledged, fully blossomed male and become steady, you have to practice all of it. Mm. You know, you can't just say to your children as a father, as far as I can tell, you can't just say to your children, oh, you'll be okay, man, or just be tough. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Mm. So having that courageousness because it is it is courageous to look at yourself in certain ways. Mm -hmm. It's why most people don't do it, particularly most men. They don't and and men have a a tradition that I believe we're breaking in today's world of not wanting to be vulnerable. You know this cliche of not wanting to talk about your feelings. This is all just these horrible clichés that I think we're breaking now. Because that doesn't work as males and growing boys into men. Mm. So I think it's no mistake that in today's world, we're really integrating all of these different sides of how to become self-realized as a male and as a female. Mm. So the discipline aspect, and I think it's kind of good to touch on all of them. I think it's good as a man to touch on all of these things that are coming up in our culture that can help you become more embodied like yoga, like meditation, like therapy, like learning how to kick or throw a punch and then potentially introducing a psychedelic. So you can maybe have a deeper experience of the, of, of the divine feminine. Do you feel like psychedelics is a feminine I think they can, they're both, it's or, both, you know, and okay. some medicines are feminine, some are masculine. Mm -hmm. So what would you say about this discipline thing? Um, one thing that struck me as you were talking, I think discipline is mandatory for men. Mm -hmm. Discipline, having a discipline having a disciplined practice, being disciplined are very important for 
men in particular. And one thing that came into my mind when you were talking, that thing of be tough. What does that mean to be tough? You think about in your mind's eye, anytime you've you've seen somebody in a movie or a TV show or something being tough and there's like this grit, there's like this face of gritting it. You're like, like you're being tough, you're toughing it out. But something I've learned in yoga is that true toughness, true resilience really reveals itself in how capable of you, how capable are you of enduring discomfort, displeasure, an uncomfortable moment, situation, mentally, emotionally, physically, how capable are you of enduring that and not letting it show at all on your face, not letting it show at all in your reaction to it, your Mm. response to it, right? And how do we do that? We learn how to breathe. We learn how to breathe through the discomfort. We learn how to breathe through the difficulty. Mm. Which provides us with more stability, Mm -hmm. more, a greater ability to respond to the circumstances before us. Right. But then to, to just to ask you in there, how, how does that differentiate from being able to show your emotions and show that you're human and multifaceted with your way of moving through life? You That's know, great. H- h- how do you, how do you differentiate between being steady yet also being able to um, be available for all the emotions, including crying. Uh (laughs) You know what I mean? Because let's face it, you can can laugh, but can you cry? You know what I mean? Can you be vulnerable? I agree. So, So what's the difference there between what you're talking about, about being steady and being able to breathe through it, Sadhguru said something interesting. He said something about, uh, he said something. Emotions. Right. Well, it it was either when I interviewed him or when you did. He said something about, I don't give people the benefit. He was really talking about anger. Uh Uh-huh. And he was like, I don't give people the benefit of seeing me angry. Right. But then I'm curious, crying, would he he say, I don't give people the benefit of seeing me crying? So it's a little bit of a different thing. Well, I think it's different to be available to your emotions than to be expressing your emotions just whenever they arise like a a fucking hurricane, you know? Like you're in I'm a rage. I'm not saying that because no, you no. sob all the t- You call me and you say I was just sobbing. And I'm like... Uh-huh. I have a thing that I'm working to open up in myself with crying. Like for me, it's like one tear trickling down my eye. But you call me and you're like, I was sobbing yesterday. And I'm just like, where are you sobbing from? You know, it's very interesting. It just comes over me. Well, dude. that's cool. That that That's good. I'm not. So I'm just saying. Well, I think you that's... do the sobbing. So just to talk about your what you're bringing up here of. Of um, There's it's interesting difference. you say grit. The, if you look at the face too, 
gritting your teeth or actually having a relaxed face that's open and available. Uh-huh. Because you can still be steady in the sobs, right? Oh, a thousand percent. I think it's different. Feeling your feelings is not spilling your feelings onto everybody you come into contact with. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I would say that I have gotten to a place where I'm very in touch with myself. And that makes me highly available to whatever emotions are coming through. So the tears, if they're there, they just come. I'm al- I allow myself the experience of just letting it move through me. And if that is tears, then that's what it is. Um, I think that it's important. Now, here, here we get into, okay, so how can a steady, mountainous man... We're kind of getting into a different conversation here. No, well, you said how can, so that implies how the discipline can, of be doing the how. Yeah, so as men, can we come to a place in ourselves, in our relationship to ourselves and other people, where we have the ability to be honest about how things make us feel and Mm -hmm. being able to express those things in a way to the people around us Mm -hmm. that provides more clarity on where we're at and who we are as men. Yeah. Hey, this thing happened. It created a lot of uneasiness in me. Mm -hmm. You said this thing the other day right and it actually hurt me it made me really angry Mm -hmm. it made me sad that you said that thing to me Mm. someone i really care about just said some had some reflections to me about certain things i've been doing that it first of all i went you're exactly right You're absolutely right. And I feel as though I didn't really need that harsh of a talking to. (laughs) I didn't need it to be that critical right now. Uh, And you're totally right. I can look at everything you said and I can go, yep, I can do better here, here, and here. And I recognize that and it's a work in progress. And that made me a little pissed off the way you delivered that information. Mm. And I'm not going to take it personally. I'm not going to turn you into the enemy, say, fuck you, push you away because you just gave me a dose of truth, a dose of reality. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right about all of that. And I'm working on it and it's a work in progress. And I feel as though I didn't need that mm. that delivered in such mm. a critical way right now. 
which just is just where I'm at, right? <laughs> which is interesting because does that reaction, you know, bringing it back to being male, does that reaction come out of it's not necessarily masculating, but is the male tied up? Is the male intertwined with the ego? So when you, so is that potentially why the discipline of truth and getting, which involves vulnerability, is that why that has traditionally mm. been challenging for males? Because it makes you put down your sword. It makes you see your ego in a different way and humbles you. Well, what's so interesting about this, dude? See, this is, it's so fucking multidimensional, isn't it? It's so fucking infinite and vast, this conversation. The human psyche, the male psyche, ego, identity, truth. I love the discipline of truth. Mm -hmm. And this, this intertwining of the masculine and the feminine and for men, doesn't it go back to your relationship with your mother? It interlinks for me so much of masculinity and how is it, how it is expressed is intertwined with the young boy's relationship with his mother. Yeah, but see, I could just as easily say it goes back to totally my relationship with my father. That's interesting. I mean, I could just as easily say that because uh -huh. I have so much openness because of my mother, but I have so much challenge because of my father. Mm. I mean, my father used to his way of resolving something was just to simply say, you're going to be okay. Mm. That didn't work for me. And as far as I can tell, it hasn't worked for him. Mm. So, a big process of me in terms of going back to the learned language because that wasn't true. <laughs> that wasn't the truth. If we look at the discipline of truth, you're okay. That wasn't the truth. I remember when I was 18, I had pneumonia. I was in bed, sick, fever, potentially dying dad came in he said you're okay man <laughs> i was like dude something is wrong i had pneumonia mom comes i go to the doctor the doctor's like you need antibiotics now took the antibiotics i was better the truth of saying you're okay didn't work uh-huh so, okay, well, then that does kind of go back to my mother because my my mother brought in a different level of truth. But I don't really know if we can simplify it in that way because there's probably plenty of mothers who are shut down <laughs> uh -huh. and aren't able to be vulnerable. Well, I mean the relationship with the the son's relationship with the mother because... So much of manhood, adult manhood, is intertwined or articulated through the relationship the man has with the women around him in his life. Right. Right. Well, wait, let me say one thing. I think it's interesting 
Because, and what you're saying is really interesting. Uh-huh. Well, let me say, because I, I feel like the father, the male role, is too, actually, what's funny about what I just said is that the male role is actually there to make people feel like everything is okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Everything is safe. Provides safety. But how does that come about? Right. It's not as simple as saying everything's okay, man. Uh-huh. No, it's not that simple. If it were all that simple, there would, you know, this this would this whole thing would be looking a lot differently. So it, it again requires a certain steadiness to say everything's okay but also okay what are the layers to that what 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 do you need what's really going on mm. so this is also a conversation about how does the boy become the 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 steady male how does the boy become the man and i mean it's pretty obvious this is why men struggle so hard when they don't have fathers mm-hmm. or or boys struggle so hard when they don't have fathers Right. And I'm sure they struggle when they ha- don't have mothers, but you know, this that that's kind of what we're talking about. Mhm. So, the discipline of truth. That's a powerful thing, man, the discipline of truth. Now, when it came to me in yoga, the importance of discipline in the man's life and the man's and in particular, having a physical discipline because it hones a man's relationship with his body. Mm-hmm. Going back to this thing we were talking about before we started recording of the male animal, the human male, from an evolutionary biological standpoint has the ability to ejaculate semen, spread his seed until the day he dies. Mm -hmm. Whereas the human female animal, once they hit menopause, they can no longer get pregnant. They no longer produce eggs. Mm -hmm. Right. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. an interesting thing. That's an interesting phenomenon of nature Mm. that that is there. Right. Now, I wonder why they did that. We were talking about this earlier, and it occurs to me because, like I said, when I say a thing like there's this old masculine (laughs) paradigm of make as much money as you can, have as much external success as you can, have as many sexual female partners as you can, Mm -hmm. and people argue with me about that. Whether they're joking or not, there's an argument against that for a wide variety of reasons. And this being one of the arguments against the idea of men and masculinity having to do with not spreading your seed. Mm, Right. And I said that imagine you were a human male animal from a more primitive time perhaps you were in a hunter-gatherer tribe or you were a cave dweller whatever it might have been now imagine you impregnate multiple females more than two let's say Mm -hmm. your ability to provide security safety provision for all of those children and 
mates becomes more and more difficult the more you have. Right. Just like today. There was a thing when I was, I think it was about when either when I was in the NFL or I was going into the NFL, a dude, Antonio Cromartie had like 12 kids with 10 different women or something like mm-hmm. that. And it was just his. God bless him. God bless my brother. Yeah. You know, there were plenty of I'm stories. sure he's a great guy. Oh, yeah, of yeah. course. I'm not saying anything about and whatever about the morality of that. I'm saying from a from a. From a completely, from an energetic providing standpoint. Well, not from an energetic point standpoint, more from a material standpoint. Right? I'm talking about the amount of energy a well, male individual too. has yeah. to show up for right. all of those women and all of those children, yeah. providing them with resources, food, provision, shelter clothing mm-hmm. that's a lot that fucking spreads you extremely thin right 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 yeah oh well absolutely. so it would behoove us as men to cultivate discipline mm-hmm. and it occurs to me that this element of our maleness this element of being able to spread our seed until the day we die it is actually a gift from god mm-hmm from nature for us to to mandate to ne- that necessitates us <laughs> cultivating discipline in our lives so that we have this discipline which goes to the spiritual essence of masculinity being in form structure stability order which goes back order. to order again so coming into order inside so that you're not the wild beast who's just running around with a heart on ready to fucking mm-hmm. spread seed mm-hmm. and you cultivate order you civilize the man you civilize the beast inside mm. by coming into internal alignment internal order through discipline Right. Right. There's an interesting, it's either. Does that um, make any sense at all? Of course. All right. Yeah. Well, it's part of discipline and it's interesting that we, you could potentially say that that's a built in discipline. It's a built in discipline that the man must adhere to. Otherwise your life spirals into chaos. Well, what if condoms didn't exist? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the whole thing would kind of look differently, potentially. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, apparently condoms are a sin if you're talking about the Bible and right, right. religion. Well, if you're talking about the Bible, you're only supposed to have sex if you're procreating. That's the only, like, that's the time you have sex. Right? Yeah, why so would God make it? Why would God make it feel good? That's a that's a vast mystery. Why would God make the orgasm feel the way it feels? Then it's a very interesting mystery to me. Well, I think this is why this the only answer to me in this whole question, this entire conundrum, right. is discipline. Well, God also made smoking crack feel good, exactly. but you don't smoke crack all the time. Because it would lead you into death. I mean, chaos, <laughs> chaos, and destruction. Chaos, and or God destruction. makes drinking seem or feel good. You know, during. Right. I'm not. During. I, I don't do it really. So, <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean. 
Like there's a lot of things that feel good, but if you don't have discipline, then it'll destroy. It doesn't really end up feeling good. It will literally. It's the antithesis of life. Well, the Buddhist path. It's the four noble truths, which is the first one is, uh, everything is suffering. The second one is suffering is caused by desire. The third one is when we get rid of desire, then we can proceed to end suffering. The fourth is you follow the Buddha's eightfold path. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it's all about desire. So how do we discipline desire in order to relieve suffering so that ultimately we can be a more integrated man? Yeah. Through discipline. Through discipline. And what are what are Buddhists about? What are monks about? That's it's that, all that's discipline. all discipline. That entire practice is discipline. You wake up at three o'clock in the yeah. morning, you meditate for six hours, you walk and you eat, eat one meal a day. You it's have it's, a, it's complete a bowl discipline. Of soup, you clean the the temple, the monastery. You, you shave your head. It's all about order too, uh-huh. interestingly. Yeah. Which is interesting because Ramdas always talked about how Buddhism didn't really work for him because he liked to be messy. Uh-huh. Which is interesting coming from a gay man, whether he even related as a gay man or not or whatever. But he, he always, or I've heard him speak about his struggle with Buddhism because of how clean it was. Mm. And maybe that's because he wasn't ready to, to be that clean yet. And he liked to play in the messiness a little bit, which uh-huh. I understand. I can relate to that. He also talked about how the emptiness was a little heavy for him. Right. Right. For emptiness to be the the end game. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. where he really brought in his guru. Neem Karoli. Neem Karoli's thing of love everyone. Right. So he combined the Buddhist idea of clearing out the mind to get the mind empty, and then you start to fill it with the love. Mm-hmm. So getting out of the mind and into the heart, mm-hmm. and you're getting into love. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, that that really works as well because... I enjoy the humanity of my desire as well. You know, I Absolutely. like the, the human aspect of my life that has to do with desire and pleasure, food, food and sexuality and yeah. art and yeah. creation. Like these well, things are really fun and interesting to me. Right. They feel like what life is about. Right. You well, know? then to me, I think what it comes down to is intention intention Mm -hmm. which i forget about that word a lot but whenever it comes up it really always rings true and there's always light on it that word intention it's super important when you're eating when you're having sex when you're exercising when you're smoking weed the intention behind it is really key so then to create intention i believe we need to have discipline and the discipline to cultivate intention is meditation. Because mm. when you meditate, you strip things away and you get present. So the more present you are, the more intention you get to proceed with. Mm. Which does. then doesn't create all of these weird 
disordered things. Like sex without intention is kind of a problem. It gets sticky. Smoking weed without intention creates chaos. Uh Doing an ayahuasca ceremony without intention will probably create chaos. So creating the order, it's interesting we we're coming to order so much. And you you were bringing up that word chaos and it kept kind of sticking with me. Mm-hmm. Um, cuz you had said all of life is chaos and I felt a weird way about that. But then you bring the order into it yes. in order to make it beautiful. So I think intention is a really important part of discipline. You know, even when I'm doing, when I would do Muay Thai or Jiu Jitsu, after a while you start going into the classes, at least for me, and I would say for most men, because we're competitive creatures, you start thinking, man, should I start fighting? Should I be a professional? (laughs) You start looking at the, so then your intention is off in this other realm as opposed to just doing it for the love. Right. So you have to continuously bring it back to why am I here? Uh-huh. What am I doing? Yeah. Am I sitting in meditation because I want to be the the best meditator ever? Mm-hmm. Is that what I'm doing? What 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 am I doing? Yeah. There's no gold coins coming out of the ceiling if I can meditate the longest. I don't know, you know? Yeah. So why am I really doing this discipline? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's why for me, I had to strip my meditation practice down a little bit. And even if I just do five minutes a day, Uh because then with the TM where it's 20 minutes twice a day, you start getting in or I started getting into this sort of goal thing. Not that there's anything wrong with TM. It's wonderful. But the intention behind our discipline and behind our movement in life, I feel like is really key. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe particularly as males. I think so. At least the only thing I know is being a male, being a man. So it has definitely been vital for me in creating order, stability, and peace in my life is having discipline with my practices, be them physical, mental, or emotional. I've been thinking that you know me, I've always been super disciplined with my physical practices, my exercise and movement and food. I've become super disciplined with meditation and breath work. Do that every day. Now something I feel I've, I need to bring, start being more disciplined about is having less time on the fucking phone and more time reading and writing. Mm-hmm. I need to be disciplined with that. Well, being intentional with the phone, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Being intentional with how you're, you're being intentional with your relationship with the phone. Mm -hmm. That can create a lot of more health and stability. And, um, I think that's important there too. Yeah. I think that's really good, man. The discipline of truth, physical discipline. Having discipline with your practices, it doesn't mean you need to fucking go and do CrossFit or lift the world at the gym or do a yoga class every day. You just have to have discipline and order in your life with something that you do 
What is that, though, Gus? What? Just going back to that thing. Does somebody have to be going to jujitsu every day? Do you have to be going to yoga every day? Like, what? what are we talking about when we're talking about living with discipline? Well, I think the discipline... If somebody could go, I'm disciplined. I'm disciplined at smoking three cigarettes and having a cup of coffee when I wake <laughs> up in the morning. I've got discipline well, with that. That's fine. How do you feel, though? If you feel great, okay. Well, I think um, mom says, our mother has said something interesting where boundaries allow God in. So mm, when you create got, boundaries... Yeah. It's good. Well, when you create boundaries in your life, it can allow God in. It can allow your higher power into play. Because when everything is chaos, it's a lot harder to be in the truth of the matter. Because then you're just fractured and all over the place. So I think whatever the discipline uh-huh. is, um, see, we're not really talking about the discipline of smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. I mean, we're talking about a higher discipline here. We're talking about trying to be, uh, embodied self realized man that can show up in the world and be of service. Mm. I think discipline is important, but I think also you need to watch and make sure you don't weaponize the discipline. I started doing that with my meditation practice, whether I want to use a word as heavy as weaponize, you know, the meditating twice a day for 20 minutes got really tedious and boring for me. Maybe the guru would say, go through it, go through it, keep doing it, keep doing it. But I started to not have fun. I started to not want to do that. So I think inviting the feminine energy into the discipline as well, where you can be more dynamic and be more nimble with your practice so it can so you can incorporate fun into it as well so it doesn't need to be such a slog because mm. i think we say the word discipline and it and it and it can be i mean it immediately has a resonance of slog and hard and challenge i don't think it needs to be that necessarily but i think it's well there is an element of difficulty of course. Of course. Being disciplined is is difficult because you have to show up. Yeah. You can't be lazy, you can't be slovenly. You can't really be gluttonous. Yeah. I mean if you want to have a six pack, you have to be disciplined. Uh-huh. I think if you want to have a steady mind, you have to be disciplined. Yes. With your prayer and your meditation. Uh-huh. If you want to just feel good in general, I mean, you can't just throw cupcakes in every other day. Yep. It's not going to work. There's that great quote. I don't know who said it first. Definitely. It's been thrown around a lot. Discipline equals freedom. Yeah. And I think that's where that thing of boundaries with boundaries, you can invite God in. Uh-huh. Plato, it was either Plato or Socrates, or it might have been Aristotle. Don't quote me. Any of those guys will work. But the, he, there was a great quote about physic, f- physical physicality in man, mm. and it's like 
men, it's it's very unfortunate when a man doesn't know his physical potential. Uh huh. And I'm sure he meant it deeper than how strong you are. Well, those you know, guys those were wrestlers, guys, right? And they were probably master meditators. So he probably meant it in all realms mm -hmm. of your physical nature. Yeah. But I think that's very interesting. And I also believe as men, we've lost a lot of that physical requirement, the physical discipline, which is cool that we're in this renaissance of physicality for men, too. Mm -hmm. You know, I always thought that as a man, if I was smart, I couldn't really be strong. If I was strong, I couldn't really be smart, mm. which is another cliche. It's another stupid cliche that we created with the jock. What the fuck is that? So the jock can't be smart? Fuck uh -huh. you. Or, an or the nerd can't be a fucking badass in the gym? Right. Like, that's fucking nonsense. Yeah. That's nonsense. And I've always, you know, because I always thought, okay, if, I'm, if I look like the strong guy, which I do because I have that genes in me, then I must not be the smart guy. <laughs> or it's like, no, fuck that. You know, I like the nerdy girls. I'm going to wear the cardigan and sunglasses. I'm not going to work out. Then I'll just be the nerdy guy. <laughs> fuck all that shit. Be fully integrated. Be fully embodied. Be the dude that can throw the punch and wrestle and also reads the books. The warrior poet. And can be vulnerable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important, too. That's that integration so you can become an integrated being. Yeah, I love that, dude. And that requires discipline. I think discipline is the answer to a lot of these questions, particularly for men. Because the discipline is the way. The discipline is the way through. The discipline is the way back to yourself. It's the way back to center it's the it's the way to build the foundation of the mountain. I think that's a good place to wrap this one. Yeah. Rome wasn't built in a day. It was built brick by brick. Amen, bruh. So we got through defining masculinity. We we definitely touched on divine feminine femininity in there and we touched on discipline. So that could be part one. Yeah. And then we have other parts to this too. Yeah. I mean, we got a lot to talk. Self-love, community, and tribe, I think is a big one. And if we turn this in a book, we we could release it in parts. No, we'll do, we will do that for sure. Okay. Awesome, dude. I love that. Love it. It was fun. All right, y'all. Stay tuned for more. This is part one of the new mail. Yeah. The Ebb and Flow podcast, Reality Now. I just want to say all our things, realitynow.substack.com. That's my new newsletter and the podcast I'm working on. Ebb was just on that. That was super fun. I'd love to have you over there. We'll probably release that podcast on the Ebb and Flow too in a couple weeks. But please check out Reality Now. We also have our store, Higher Power Workshop where we continuously update things. We've got the University of Surrender hat, um, fan favorite. Uh, we'll have some other new shirts coming up there soon, too. Um, A Life Worth Dying For, the book, is on Amazon. That's our first podcast-turned-book, which um we're going to do more of. This will be one of those. Eb's considering doing an anthology of our talks as a book, which I love. I think we should definitely do that. 
Um, so, and then I think that's it, right? That's about it, brother. Okay. All right, y'all. Namaste. Lots of love. Peace.